0: Hello and welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute podcast This is episode number 33 My name is Jed Brockie and today I'm going to be talking to Paul Holcomb Who has created, or is creating, an amazing new plectrum alternative That alternative is called The Leap Now we had thought about teasing you about what we were actually going to be discussing and what Paul is developing. It's a pletrum alternative. Now if you thought the humble pletrum was an easy thing to develop, think again. I was really taken by the design drawings that Paul has had created for this new product and he is looking to convince guitar players that this is a good alternative the traditional and humble pick. For all you guitarists out there, I'm sure you're going to love listening to all the details that Paul's going to share. I was just really amazed at how complex it is to get a new business off the ground. So just for listening to this podcast, you can get a discount from the gmiguitarshop.com. We have a huge range of products for guitarists of all for all ages, styles, and technical abilities. You'll get fifteen percent off your entire order if you simply put in this code: capital G, capital M, capital I, zero one. If you come over to the Guitar Music Institute website, that's at www.guitarmusicinstitute.com, you will see that code. Let's hear what Paul's got to say about
1: the edge.
0: Paul, it is fantastic to speak to you. Yet another person on another continent. Where about are you?
1: Uh, I'm uh, in Florida. Oh
0: Flo, dear. Uh, Florida, right? How, how are you getting on with all these storms? It hasn't affected you, has it? Uh,
1: well, it's, uh, you know, I, I lived in Florida almost all my life, so you kind of get used to it. You get used um, to your roof news.
0: getting blown off, do you? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, that's what you see on the news, but it doesn't really happen in reality. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. <laughs> usually. Uh, but the current the last few storms have been up in the panhandle. I'm in South Florida. Oh, ah, right. The, um, near the tip. Oh,
0: ah, very nice. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. do you get lots of nice weather? You're not very brown.
1: I am, actually. I don't know. I, I travel a lot for my for my day job, so I'm, I'm usually in, uh, in, in another state um, and indoors a lot. <laughs> But when I'm here, I try to get out.
0: That's a good link because we're, we're going to be talking about, uh, oh, I don't know if it's a new invention. Maybe it is a new invention. You can enlighten me on that. But as we tease the listeners, maybe you could just tell us about you.
1: Sure. So um, my background is in design, uh, typically visual design. So I uh, just real quick, I guess I was I was a designer in the Air Force for nine years and uh so, I've, I've been uh, doing various designs, design work uh, for various campaigns um, for the for Air Force, Special Operations Command, and whatnot. So, I kind of got my roots in, in visual design. And then in the uh, early 90s, I transitioned to more of a digital uh, design and basically uh, got out of the Air Force and started a small. Agency And one thing that our sort of roots uh, in that agency were basically um, following a user centered design methodology where we do our research, we um, make sure all of our design work is sort of um, what I like to call evidence based design, meaning that um, the design, the end design you come up with is you can justify it based on what you've learned along the way. So, so I've sort of transitioned from a traditional design to more of a digital usability and what they call UX or user experience. So, and in that methodology, it's very sort of um, process based where you do research and you test your hypotheses and you get feedback and you uh, evolve the design over time based on that feedback. So I've sort of followed that, that design methodology and I've had, so I've also had one, um, other physical product uh, that, I've, that I've worked on, a project that I've worked on, i worked closely with engineers and product design folks uh, did a lot during that process. Uh, may I actually candidly made a lot of mistakes <laughs> during that venture that uh, helped me kind of uh, not make those same mistakes in, in this one. So, But anyways, essentially the same sort of design philosophy holds where you uh, have a hypothesis, test it, prototype it, learn, make changes and... Then, so
0: two things. One, uh, you basically give the, the the customer what they want, <laughs> uh, based on what they say. Uh, what was the physical thing you were making? If you worked for the airport, Air Force, I think it was a bomb or something like that.
1: <laughs> well, no, so my physical, so I, I most of my, uh, entre- basically when I got out of the Air Force, I started my own digital agency and I've been self-employed for probably you know 13 out of the last you know 16 17 years um, uh, only more recently have I kind of gotten back into the corporate uh, world if you will and um, taken a lot of that sort of entrepreneurial lessons uh, from the from the trenches um, into the into the corporate environment so uh the physical product that I made before was actually uh in the gaming and fitness space. It was essentially a dumbbell uh for the Wii uh when the Wii back when the Wii Fit was uh popular. That product is called uh, Reflex R I I F L E X. And uh so if you if you type that into the Google, you'll see the product and whatnot. But but essentially it was uh we ramped up that that product quickly had some early success, but uh, made some miscalculations in uh, judging the market. You know and, and, and whatnot, and we kind of overbuilt the product. It was a very expensive product to make, and in a space that everything was sort of a commodity to some degree. <laughs> I'm kind of in, in that same space again where guitar picks are a commodity.
0: You just given the let the cat out of the bag, but I guess, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter because if they're on the GMI website, they'll have seen what we're talking about anyway. But if they listen to this from iTunes, maybe not. So, yeah, how do you get from what you were doing to designing a replacement for? the plectrum or guitar pick are you a guitarist yourself
1: yeah so let me take a couple steps back then I guess so I'm one of those guys that owned a guitar uh, for most of their life and it was a dust collector that just sat over there just you know I wish I could play it so it spent most of the time in the closet or, or what not I'd pick it up Every once in a while, play the three chords that I that I that I knew. But really, I, it was always one of those things that I wanted to pick up, and I but I hadn't really gotten serious about learning. So um, two years ago, I decided to get serious about learning how to play the guitar, basically. And so I decided to make a commitment in time. And um, I had a handful of guitar picks that were essentially given to me, uh, various sizes and thicknesses and whatnot. And one of the things I struggled with, with pretty much every pick that I would pick up and try to use was um, just being able to get a get a hold, get a grip on it, if you will. Um, so dealing with issues of, of slipping and... And, uh feeling like i had to put a, a death grip on the pick to, to control it and keep it from you know p- popping out of my hands or uh, slipping around so probably a you know a pretty common beginner uh, beginner challenge so in any event so i it actually affected my enthusiasm for for learning the guitar at the time but i started to seek out other ergonomic or you know grip friendly type you know uh picks picks and options um and so uh i I struggled to find something that wasn't really gimmicky or very well executed and uh, having a little bit of product design experience um i felt pretty strongly that the 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 standard guitar pick uh wasn't a very ergonomically friendly um thing to, to hang on to so so I started experimenting um, in the entrepreneurial side of me and the designer side of me. I started kind of going down this path of, um, as we talked about before, uh, starting with research and hypothesis. The first thing I wanted to know was, is this is this a beginner issue? Does anybody else have this problem, um, of, you know, guitar pick slipping and whatnot? So, um, so I started talking to every guitar player that I knew uh, and some that I didn't. At the time, I was traveling for work. I was traveling to DC every week, and I would frequently bump into um, people busking in the streets or the metros. And I would just go up to them and and talk to them and ask them, <laughs> tell them what I was trying to work on. And, and, and there
0: them. there was them. They, they were thinking, "Oh, here's a guy, a record executive. He's going to give me a multi million yes. pound deal." <laughs> Wrong.
1: <Right. laughs> Well, I, I at least I at least gave them a very uh, nice uh, tip uh, in, in the guitar case to to basically justify <laughs> just stopping that. them and taking up some of their time. I will say that, uh, but in, in any event, so uh, I got the contact information, told them what I was working on, and then um, I had some early prototypes. Of eventually, anymore, uh, once you get sort of the three D CAD modeling done, you know, actually, I started with just sketching. I was working with a guy to just create all kinds of um, crazy sketches and if you watch the Kickstarter video um, I've got some of those sketches in that in that video and some of this background story. So I just said, hey maybe you know maybe the guitar pick is, is one of those things that really just does, doesn't seem to have changed for, for decades maybe there's a reason maybe it doesn't need to. Uh, or maybe there's some room to improve on the standard guitar pick, at least from a, from a feel standpoint, from a playability. And so I, I created a list of a prioritized list of things that I thought were important as we sort of identify all the different problems that guitar players could potentially have, um, with picks. And on the top of the list though was, um, just comfort and playability. Uh, so I felt like it was pointless to create anything that uh, didn't feel great to use and wasn't actually useful to uh, a guitar player with some experience and some skill. So that was the, the top of the list. And as I moved down the list, you know, I had everything from being able to attach the guitar pick to your strings, to, you know, things that were like less important, but gosh, if I could do that, it would be, it would be cool. And, uh, but one of the second things that came up on the, on the list um, was really, uh, as I was talking to players was that a lot of players tend to, Get very comfortable and competent with um, one pick. You know, from a market standpoint, that that's a market challenge to basically say, "Hey, how about how about something completely different?" Um, when you sort of built a level of capability and competency with with one pick, why would you uh, why would you even want to try something else? Could
0: I just interject there, Paul? First of all, I want to talk at some point about those designs that I've seen in your video, which are amazing and the leap, uh, as it's called, uh, and you have to explain explain mm-hmm. where the name came from um but i should also point out that in scotland a bog means a bog but it also means a toilet
1: oh good <laughs> <But>
0: anyway, <Well. laughs> anyway moving swiftly on it sort of looks <laughs> like a a, a comp- quite space age uh, between a the leap looks like a flying saucer or one of those chinese throwing stars <laughs> thing that I think would have come right at the very top of the list, which you haven't mentioned, is the thing that we always lose our plectrums, and yet when I looked at the leap, yep. I thought there was a hole, but it's not a hole; it's actually a a black circle. Um, are no, it's you? Hoping- a hole. Is it, a it, hole? Is a- it is a hole. a hole for attaching yeah. to your keyring because I I was trying to get in there, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can. Yeah. It's interesting that 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 might not be clear from the uh, from the videos. Um, as as you're mentioning that, I'm like, oh boy, I need to, you know. I need to update the video to, uh, to or the you know the site to make sure people understand there's a hole in the center because that was a very sort of an intentional uh, evolution of the of the design.
0: Oh uh, okay sorry um, no just to just to clarify I saw the hole in the center but I always thought of the uh, I immediately thought I, I disregarded the hole in the center because I thought it would be I guess in my mind difficult to get a key ring around that and I thought the little black dot on one of the
1: Oh that, I uh, see what you're saying. Yeah no, the, those are just markings. Right. Yeah. Those are markings. So one of the one of the things that the design process is is taught me is that simplicity is very difficult. Right. One of the things that uh, have tried to evolve with this design is, is to, to basically come up with things that typically guitar picks, if you can color code something, that's great. There was a manufacturing reason why we couldn't color code each different side. But what I wanted to create was some kind of very simple icon that users could get used to basically at a glance, understanding that the, uh, the circle, uh, with the, with the, with the border, just the border is the thinnest side, the, black dot, if you will, is the, you know, thickest side. And then the the side with the, uh, the logo would be the, the medium side, if you will, after, after time. And this is just sort of one of the evolutions of, you know, talking, talking with guitarists and experimenting or whatever is that, yeah, if we were to write, you know, players aren't used to, you know, having three different thicknesses in one pick. Uh, so the other alternative would have been to write, you know, 1.5 millimeters or whatever the actual thickness was on the pick. That's not at a glance something that you could easily sort of process and, and change change size as much as a, an icon. So There's Something else that strikes
0: me as a player, I mean, I've played... Almost all my life now, <laughs> the guitar. We do get accustomed. I remember I used to be addicted to the Gibson teardrop uh, thick plectrums when I was younger. It took me a long time to get away from that. And the interesting thing was that if in that period of my life as a player, if I didn't have that Gibson teardrop, I felt I couldn't play as well and I became very... Uh, well, just just not confident about what I was doing. Yeah, is it not the case that there's a real psychological bond? A sort of uh, you know, players need specific type of things, not uh, picks, not because they're actually that much better than anything else, but mm-hmm. because they feel more comfortable and more creative and at home when they're actually using them.
1: Absolutely, no, I, I would totally agree agree with that. And uh, I should probably, I should probably have mentioned already that we're not. I'm not saying that this product is for everybody, right? Because um, it's, you know, one of the, you know, the feedback that that we've been getting is very, very sort of, we've been, we've gotten reactions and responses that span the spectrum. I probably had 40 or so players testing the product, you know, actually putting hands on, you know, from early prototypes to where we're at now, the overwhelming response is that this feels great. It's unlike anything that I've felt before. Um, but candidly, there's those players that are um, not comfortable trying something different uh, for various reasons. So, so yeah, there's there's not only that psychology, but there's just sort of the biomechanics of how you know something that you've used and developed a certain you know level of competency with you know over time. It's not it's not an easy jump to to move to that however i think trying new things um and and we've been sort of pitching this as another tool in your toolkit if you will it's it's not something that we're saying you're never you know we're 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 promising that everybody's going to love it and it's going to replace your everyday pick um that's been the case for a lot of the players that we've talked to but it doesn't mean it's it's you know everything and so uh, that everybody's going to have that same you know, reaction. So, and and you're right. People are passionate about their guitar picks and, and, and they're they're harshly criticizing, (laughs) uh, things that are, that are new into the market because there's been a lot of, you know, gimmicks, you know? And, and so.
0: Would it be the case that if you actually marketed this to people, you know, using the marketing sort of phrases, like if you've been struggling to play the guitar.
1: Right. So, um, just taking a step back. So I, I, I definitely value the beginner, you know, intermediate market. And cause that's, that's sort of where, you know, that's, that's where I fall into. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a product developer. I'm not a, a professional musician. However, from the very get go, one of the things that was sort of my main priorities in developing this product, uh, was that I wanted to create something that a professional Guitarist, a, a professional musician would would use. That's why most of the the majority of the testing group that that we've used um, and the the ones that you'll see videos of on our you know social media channels and and whatnot are professional, highly competent musicians. Um, and uh, I, I think that it's one of those things that if you try it, it's going to feel. Obviously, it's going to feel very different, but it, it might be something that you realize that I can I can definitely see a scenario where, you know, I might want to uh, bring this into, you know, into the studio when I want to have, you know, different different options for different, you know, tone and, and sound. And I like the way it feels or, you know, it's 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 its own thing. It's it's not I'm not pitching it as the thing that's going to replace uh, for, for a seasoned veteran player. And candidly, I'll, I'll tell you the research right now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the the target demographic as far as from a positive response tends to skew younger. When I say younger, okay, I'm 49 years old. To me, it's basically 40 to however long, regardless of how capable or competent. But it's also there, there's there's sort of a uh, an, an element of attitude of, just, just trying a willingness to try something different, right? Because I think that even players that have developed comfort and competency with, uh, um, you know, with the us say you're using a jazz pick now and you you're you barely you know you're barely used to having pick a very small size, you know, a pick in your hands. We've got a lot of those players as part of the testing group, and they've they've been. The reaction has been positive. You
0: see, the, the seasoned players, mm-hmm. have they said that they would move over to the Leap in preference to using the Plectrum or pick.
1: I've had, I've had some players that have, that have said that, but also have to understand that um, we are in the, the final stages of fine tuning this product. We you know we, We've learned a lot along the way. Um, this is version one. The, 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 the product that's going to market is version one. And we even have a few modifications that, that we're making um, before we're fulfilling the Kickstarter campaign just to just improve the feel a little bit. That seasoned player, there's an element of them that are like, yeah, I like I like this just as it is. And for various reasons, they would. But I'm not making that claim (laughs)
0: because
1: because guitar picks are so, you know, it's such a personal uh, choice. I'm not saying it's going to. So
0: I want to ask you some quick fire questions. Okay. Where will these picks be manufactured?
1: They'll be manufactured in Minnesota,
0: United States. Oh, they're going to be yeah. manufactured. That's fantastic. Local jobs for local people. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, if you keep it reasonably short, just the price. On the Kickstarter campaign, it's uh, make a pledge, and it's uh, pledged $14 or more. What would Once this goes into manufacture, how much would uh, the leap cost?
1: Right now, Um, the, the target price point is basically $7, um, a a pick. And so if you go to Kickstarter, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, we have it, we don't have the, you can't just buy one. Basically, um, a lot of it has to do with just, the um, I'm a small, I'm a small startup and it's just from a management logistical standpoint, plus just sort of testing the market, you know, the market response, um, two, two for $14 is, is kind of the, entry point
0: okay well but how is that going to fare i mean how much does a, a pick cost in america
1: well it depends um and so if you it depends on the level of i would say they they range from free uh, all the way to you know probably the the higher end um, if you're just talking about a traditional pick you could probably have some prime tone picks for i don't know four bucks five bucks um or maybe you know eight bucks for a pack of three or something like that so
0: so you're aiming at that higher end of the the market the more connoisseur the, the, to be honest
1: yeah we're we're trying to stay high end i'm trying to stay i'm trying to make sure that we're we're i want to create high quality very well thought out product that is um is not a commodity. Guitar picks are, are are a commodity. We're creating something different. My goal is to just be dedicated to creating very high-end, high-quality, well-tested products that that essentially people people are passionate about.
0: Paul, how are you going to actually convince people to part with that extra money? Are you going to make any not guarantees, but you know, if you use this pick you can expect X from your technique I mean are you going to make any claims?
1: No I mean um, so my, uh, my approach to marketing is that I'm not making any claims is that basically I'm going to allow the players themselves like we live in a we live in a, a world a digital world where uh, if you if you claim X but reality is Y you're gonna be exposed you know, um, the market, the market is going to decide the level of quality or of product, whether they like it or not. Right. And so, um, I'm the, the process that the design process that I've undergone before I made, well, I've been making, it, it's a large investment overall, but before I essentially pull the trigger on, on tooling and manufacturing, I wanted to know that <clears throat> is this product worth it? Is, is there a, a large enough percentage of the players that are, Um, that have seen the product, that have held it and played with it, that believe in the value. They're the ones that are, that are going to be making the claims. And once people actually get the product in hand, they're going to either make videos or put their ratings on Amazon or whatever. The product's going to be what it's going to be. And I'm not making any claims. And so if, if $7 is a, is a too large of an investment, (laughs) a risk, you know, to, to somebody to, um, to take on, to, to try something new, then I wouldn't want them to do that, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, it's not, it, again, it's, you know, guitar picks are you know, something I, I realize it's a, it's a very sort of personal, especially if you're an experienced player, it's something that you've, you've developed a almost a relationship with because it's connecting you, the player to the inter- instrument. I understand that. So I'm not trying to um, promise everybody if they buy this pick uh, that they're, that they're going to be, you know, throwing their other picks in the garbage and they going to go back.
0: Well, one thing that i just looking at the picture, one thing that I noticed the, the sort of... So it's almost like three picks in one, and I want to just discuss that uh, quickly. Sure. But uh, I also noticed that the hole in the middle of the pick, uh, you know, the, the guy who's holding it, I don't know if it's you, but the finger's almost going inside that, that hole there in the centre of the yeah. pick. And and I guess, in a way, when you, the, the thumb goes on it, both sides of that flesh connect, and you actually feel the pick is more part of you than a, a traditional pick does that is yeah. that
1: was that a bit too way out or? no no it's that's, that's spot on um because basically the the early prototypes that we had did not have a hole in them and, and candidly the, the funny thing was is like the very first pick that, that that we that i printed or whatever was basically just the size of if you just took three standard guitar picks and put them together Basically glued them together where somebody would grip them. That was the size target, right? Understanding that it was big, um, but uh, over time we actually started larger, and then got smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and the hole actually came about um, because it just felt like it felt like the the size of the pick um, we were losing that connectivity uh, and that feel. That you get when you when you choke up on the on a pick, or basically when you get really close to the strings, that little bit of contact that that your index finger makes with your thumb, it really just helps the player really feel you know the, the playability and, and want to just feel it. Just increases the feel and and the and the grip, um, and and it's easier to grip as well. And yeah. so we spent a lot of time on
0: that. That would be a great marketing thing, wouldn't it? You know, a, a pick isn't. Uh, an external object for your plane it should be part of you or something like that now just around that circular there's raised area with little grooves and those i take it are to help with purchase
1: uh yeah so um so essentially the the the, that thumb deck if you will that's what i've been referring to it as um was originally sort of flat and so it didn't have the the grooves or whatever it was just not flat i'm sorry it was like a like a bowl you know, it didn't have any either rays or whatever. Um, but we found in the manufacturing process that it, it would create hotspots, or, or as as parts cool. It was basically a manufacturing issue that uh, affected quality. So we tried to figure out how to um, have this nice grippy feel, um, be able to create the spaces in between the material. I don't know if that makes sense, but but basically, it's a it started as a manufacturing issue, a challenge, and then turned into. Uh, exactly what you said a way to increase uh, the the grip and the feel and and it it turned out
0: pretty good the the areas i'm a wee bit well maybe not concerned about but you've got three picks in one um i don't know if those are different uh thicknesses that and second is you've got picks for acoustic and picks for electric and Mm -hmm. the the third thing is when i was watching one of your videos on the lead but specifically the electric guitar pick there didn't seem to be a lot of resistance to the string, and I was wondering about the thickness. So, could you cover those three areas?
1: Yep. So the uh, okay. Just if I miss if I miss something, let me know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, because I'm gonna I'm gonna basically rewind the story a little bit. The design process all started with one pick. We didn't have two picks in the beginning, and so we saw value in three different thicknesses. Um, to basically give the player options when, you know, when they're, when they're playing lead or rhythm or laying down a track. Because that was one of the feedbacks we got is that, yeah, you know, sometimes I like to do this, sometimes I like to do that. And so we had a, a thin side and a thick side and a medium side on the original sort of prototypes. What we learned was, is that the, the players that gravitated to the thickest side hardly ever found cases where they would want the the thinner side. And if they, they did, it would be a different sort of thicknesses. So anyways, um, long story short, our process sort of branched into, um, two different models, basically one for rhythm and one for lead. And, um, the, thinking about the, basically the acoustic player or the electric players, you know, kind of in mind. So the, um, the, the, Model, I think you're talking about the the electric or the the lead model. Essentially, has a 1.5 millimeter jazz style, like a stubby, short jazz style uh, side, and then I think the other two sides are uh, it's like a 0.73 medium side, uh, and then like a nine six point nine six, you know thicker side and it's it's plenty uh plenty thick too for power chords or you know metal metal type play i do have a video don't know if it's on i don't think it's on the kickstarter campaign but on our instagram if you guys playing some heavy metal uh will we'll certainly
0: wh- want to uh put those on the gmi website for for this podcast i don't know if you addressed everything but just one thing before i, I forget about it although you're saying you want the player's to decide for themselves um, you're not above actually talking about it actually can prevent strain and pain do you want to talk about that?
1: Sure, I mean, again... Um,
0: how much, well, let's put it this way, how much research has been done in terms of players having aches and pains because of pletrums and not due to the fact that they're holding the guitar on the left hand if they're right-handed wrong?
1: Just just let me know if this doesn't answer your question because um, essentially all of the evidence, if you will, or research, you know, is, is essentially just with the testing group that we've worked with, right? Any, any claim that's been made has been just from the findings of uh, of the of testing basically right so I haven't gone out and there's uh, there's some ergonomic society and uh, thing that I that I think we could pay like five thousand dollars to have the, the product tested and validated that there's a sort of quantify the exact uh, levels of <laughs> you know improved grip and, and whatnot but but essentially you um, I would. I'm, I'm treading lightly on that that claim, but I. I
0: it just says that tra- traditional picks. Yeah, traditional picks require more tension to control and can can cause strain in the base of the thumb.
1: Right, right. I mean, that's you know, essentially. You know, I should probably find a, like a specific re- reference, a specific article, or, or something. But essentially, it, it, it's just sort of like. I don't want to call it ergonomics 101. I can't really think of, you know, some, something to say, but basically if you're holding something thin in, in between your fingers, as opposed to as you increase the thickness alone, just, so that alone, increasing the thickness alone, um, improves, um, you know, your ability to grip on something. I think everybody sort of intuitively can imagine that. Um, and then you, you can also imagine that if you create a, uh, a contour, that is um, was designed to accommodate your thumb and index finger um, that added sort of uh, form, if you will. Uh, you don't have to grip the pick as hard in order to get the same level of control as you would if you had just sort of a flat pick. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And and actually, when I'm thinking about it, do you do who does the, the the diagrams? Do you do those, Paul? Because the diagrams, I'm looking at that conventional pick diagram, and I'm worried that my after all these years, my hand's going to fall off because it looks amazing <laughs> with the red. But it also reminds me of what really drew me into this product, the Leap pick product, because the, you have some incredible diagrams and drawings that look amazing. They they really do sell the the whole the whole idea. Idea. Uh, 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 is that you that does them or do you get an artist, an uh, outside artist to do them?
1: I've got, so having a design background, I, I know enough to know that I, I, there's different people that I need to bring in with different uh, competencies. So. Those specific illustrations and I, and I have some more that will will surface in in the future but yeah the, those illustrations um that the hand illustration that you're referring to was done by the same person that did the um the, the sketch concept i thought so
0: you yeah. could see that there was a thematically it was very similar and what an amazing artist i've got to say his
1: name is joven he has a like a half second cameo appearance in the video too <laughs> when i talk about the design team so uh, if you see Joe, uh, somebody named Jovan Santos in there, that uh, he's the gentleman. That did right. That. Okay, so
0: let's just talk a little about the Kickstarter campaign. So we're currently t- undertaking this interview, this podcast in the middle of October 2018, and there's 18 days to go. Now, you have a a goal set, it's in UK sterling on my side of the pond, of £3,800, and you're currently standing at £2,187 with 18 days to go and 127 backers. Now, if you don't get all the money, will you still go ahead with the leap? Yeah,
1: so great question. So um, the short answer is yes. Basically, the the Kickstarter was really um, kind of a, a market validation point in the process um, to to make sure that like all all of these testers you know that, that we've been working with are are getting very positive results. But tell, We've asked them to be honest, we because we we want to make the product better, and I feel like you know that, that they have been. Um, but they got they got the product for free, right? Okay. <laughs> you know the, the next the next question is are people willing to, to, to actually pay, you know, for, for, this, for this product? And is there enough, does the concept, you know, from purely from a business standpoint, um, creating a premium product in a commodity market, um, it doesn't, is that something that the market is going to respond positively to? Um, so that, that was the primary objective of the, of the Kickstarter campaign. And so, you know, I think that, that the resounding feedback that we've been given, um, is yes, um, understanding it's not for everybody, but people have actually, you know, put um, money towards supporting this as a uh, as an effort with very little um, marketing muscle, you know, put put behind it. Paul,
0: have you once? How far would you say you are towards as a percentage actually finalizing the design? And before I forget, of course, will it be available in other colors? Because I just don't like the white. I've got to be honest. <laughs>
1: That's a, that's a great. So um, so this is where we're at right now. So I've essentially um, I've purchased the tools. So we've tooled up and and did a a test run, if you will. Um, we tested two materials. We tested tested Delrin, which is your standard like Tortex type uh, pick, and we tested nylon uh, as two as two materials during that run. And we only. We only manufactured, uh, I think, a total of 50 units. We are going to make a few modifications to that mold, minor modifications to, to that mold. Uh, that's probably going to be done within the next two to three weeks. Just takes take a little time to actually execute that. I'm trying to make some decisions about adding a little bit of surface texture to the index finger side and whatnot as far as colors go. And so the material is going to be nylon. Um, that's pretty much decided. We've had a lot of questions about colors. The, the reason that they're white right now is because we just haven't made a decision. And the only feedback that we've got regarding colors is that if I drop the, if I, if I somehow, you know, not even drop it, but if I'm, if I'm looking for my pick during a gig and I have, and, and I haven't attached it to the guitar. You know, I want to be able to see it, you know, so it's it's white right now just because it's a blank slate. Um, so what the plan for colors is basically in the next week or so, uh, I want to create a survey of some kind that we'll get out to our current backers and probably push out through the social media channels to find out, you know, what, what colors the people are people looking for they want. Um, just let it be a community effort. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so you make them, you will be creating them yourself, Paul.
1: Well, I'm, I'm manufacturing a product in um, through uh, a third-party manufacturer in the United States. Have
0: you considered, once you get all your findings, all the market research, once the product's out there, are you considering licensing this? out to another say another good Scotsman. The one of the biggest <laughs> the biggest companies in the world, Jim Dunlop. Have you heard of Jim Jim Dunlop? I you
1: know, I think I've heard that name. I, I'm not really Jim, sure. Jim why Dunlop is
0: <laughs> the big one of the biggest manufacturers <laughs> yeah, I'm, of everything. I'm, eh? I'm just- you're I'm just joking. kidding. No. All right, okay. Right, okay. Well, uh,
1: apparently, yeah. I, I
0: only found this out a, f- a few years ago. He, he comes from Scotland. Oh, really? He went, no, that I didn't know. Yeah, I just wondered, uh, would you be interested in licensing this out to a major player?
1: So the first thing, I'll, so, you know, I'll, I'll answer that question by um, actually using it as a dovetail to talk about the company. Um, and so the um, first, the, the short answer to your question is, in business when you when you create a business sort of everything is, is on the table, right? So I don't want to say no, um, yes or no right now because uh, Jim Dunlop hasn't called <laughs> yes. yet. Right. I haven't had that conversation. He might listen to this to podcast. You never know. He may, he might. Um, he, he, um uh, the NAM, I'm familiar with NAM, the the uh, yeah. that trade show is happening in, in January and I have plans to go to that trade show. Um Right now, one thing I've learned, um, I've had lots of entrepreneurial experience, and one thing that I've learned is you don't start a business with the idea that you're going to sell it, even if that's your goal, um, that the the ultimate objective should be to build as much value into the company as possible and have a, a dedication to, to, to creating the best products and the best sort of customer service, so on and so forth, as possible. And then that will eventually yield more opportunities down the road.
0: Well, I, I- I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. um You, you should, if you if you do go to Nam and you see Jim's, just start by saying, "Jim, is it true you come from Greenock?" That's that's your end. But the second thing is, I think the guy's a genius because he takes a rag, right? He takes just a, a piece of cloth, he puts his name on it, and people pay fifteen dollars for it. just <laughs> <This is laughs> Absolute genius.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't knock him for that. But but for me, for me, as a startup, right? You know, I'm. I'm coming at it from a, diff- a different I angle. So my, roots are, I my roots are in uh, design, and my roots are in just really. I want to create something in this space that's a little bit different. So my design process is very sort of grassroots, right? Yeah. Um, I'm all about building a community um, of of fans. I'm not I'm not prom- I'm not making promises. Um, so let me just tell you about the DNA of the company. The DNA of the company is that we're um, I want the players to be the brand ambassadors, the, the customers to be the brand ambassadors. Um, I'm candidly, I'm more interested in lifting up sort of the, the everyday player, or, or I should say the the unknown player, um, because there's lots of extremely talented, um, musicians and, and guitar players that know they're not a household name or they're not a part of a band that's a household name, but they're, they're extremely talented. Um, and And those are the people that I, I want to celebrate. I want our company to partner with those those musicians to help them have a platform to showcase their capabilities and their talents. and And that's where our heart was. so our so um, the the heart of the company was sort of born in the street, if you will. So that's kind of where the Bog Street name comes from. Plus I'm from Florida. Uh, so a lot of the roots in the, in the, in the branding exercise and the, and the name are basically, um, that there's this cast of characters, right? That just have a a love for what they do, um, and and a passion for just playing, playing music, right? And so I'm more interested in trying to find, trying to create a platform to elevate those, those players than I am to try to, uh, find a, a celebrity household name to endorse the product that
0: sounds fantastic it's fantastic and I, I really do believe you but in a sense it's almost lining it up it's like in football over here uh, soccer to you where the manager says i'm all for this club i love these fans and the next minute he's sold he's off to another club but i'm sure that's <laughs> not going to happen here but I'll, I, it sounds a fantastic <clears throat> point of view yeah what are the chances of you sending us uh a couple for review
1: so i have um right now i have only a, f- a handful of so I've, i mentioned i have the two uh, materials i've got one in nylon and i've got one uh, set done in delrin i'm almost out i only have a couple of the nylon ones left and those are the ones that i want people to put their hands on when they're doing reviews as i mentioned over the next um going to be going to manufacture very soon and so when i get the uh my first commitment has to be to so basically the 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 short answer is i want to i will definitely send you something to review but the prototypes i have right now are i don't have very many uh, you know, I just want to make sure I have at least one set that I keep back for
0: myself. Absolutely. Uh, that's a, that's, if you can get some out over to us at some point, that would be fantastic. If for nothing else, to just get it out there to all the people that subscribe to GMI and that, that come across the site. Um, and just the, the more people the the that know about it, the better. Well, I'm, I'm all for people like you who take a roll of the dice, put their own money. Behind it, and I, I'll, you know, the quality of what you're doing just shines through. My my concern is uh, if people are so wedded to the plectrum that they they'll see it more of as a gimmick as opposed to something that's really going to help them. But no. um, I I can't see how it can do any harm. Uh, I'm a little worried about the price. I think the price is a little high, but but what do I know? Maybe people were more than happy to pay that for for something that's really going to help them and aid them and that they won't lose so easily. Because that, for me, is the number one thing other than thickness, is losing mm-hmm. Petrums. I don't know where they all go. They, they just disappear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. Now, that that was definitely on the list that I talked about earlier of, uh, of priorities. You know, I, I mentioned about attaching to the guitar or, you know, like, the, but yeah, that maps back to the core problem of yeah where do they go and so like if you're going to pay seven bucks for a pick uh you certainly don't want it to, to vanish with you know the other picks wherever they end up going um so i, I understand you know in time will tell you know I, I i believe in the product i wouldn't have invested so much of my own money uh in a gimmick that would have been pointless to me and sort of the the opposite uh of, of what i'm all about from a um being a user-centered um you know a uh, design person which is essentially rooted in empathy <laughs> for the <laughs> end user but
0: but if you can make a pick like this right that can really help people and it kind of does disappear that's a unique selling feature
1: yeah <laughs> uh, i don't want i don't want them to disappear i want them to uh, uh, eventually, maybe you know, maybe I have a side wear out or, or something like that. Yeah,
0: how how long do they last?
1: You know, I, I don't know. Like they're, they're durable. They're I would say you know they're they're going to wear you know like a typical uh, a pick would depending on. So if you're if you're somebody that you're going through a, a pick every month. Um, It's probably not going to wear that much differently. If you're going Um, through a pick a
0: month, you're probably mad.
1: (laughs) 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 So uh, I I would imagine they would last a while, but uh, the quality is going to be in in parity with anything else that's on the market. Well,
0: the funny thing is, you know, if anyone listening to this uh, podcast who isn't a guitar player they absolutely won't get what we're talking about but as a musician it is true we talk about strings the type of strings we use and the plectrums we use an awful lot so i've Thank absolutely you. thoroughly enjoyed this interview it's been a, a real pleasure talking with you paul and I hope you keep in touch and uh, let us give us updates on what's happening with the Leap. Is there anything that I haven't really covered? No,
1: I think uh, I think it's been good and thank you for, for having me on. Um, it's uh, It's been really enjoyable for me and you're asking uh, really, really great questions and hopefully I've uh, given you and your audience the, the good answers and honest answers. They've been honest, I can at least say that. Um, and I'll definitely get, I'll get a prototype out to you. I'll get something out to you as, uh, as soon as I can to uh, it, put your hands on.
0: So that's brilliant Paul Thanks very much for taking the time to speak to GMI today Bye for now Well how did you find that folks? I found it a fascinating insight Into the actual creation of a new product I've done quite a few podcasts On new guitar products From people around the world It always strikes me how dedicated these people are, how much it costs to get new products off the ground. If you're interested in supporting Paul in this venture and you're listening to this in October 2018, you can go over to his Kickstarter site and give him some support there. I'm sure he would love you to be part of that community. So thanks for being part of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to being back with you very soon in the near future. My name's Jed brocky Thanks for listening. Bye.